hashtag Tim and Friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. Let's go. Come on now, Canada. Now. It is Friday. We made it. Uh, there is a heat wave taking over the country, so I hope you're taking care and watching this inside, maybe with some cold air conditioning or outside on a patio or in your backyard with a cold drink. I am not Tim McAuliffe. No, I'm not. I'm Donovan Bennett filling in for Timmy, and we've got a hot show featuring mm. my cold takes and some badly needed assistance from my friends. Uh, we are with you for the next two hours on Sportsnet 360, 90 minutes on Sportsnet ahead of Blue Jays Central. Big one tonight for the Jays. And we're always with you on social media. At Tim and Friends is the handle. We also have a YouTube collection. So let the algorithm do its thing. Subscribe, tell a friend, and tell a friend to tell a friend. Uh, and follow us everywhere you can follow us. Uh, follow us in the metaverse if you can. I'm not sure if you can. Uh, the co-pilot, I am sure, is the real MVP, oh. Jesse Rubinoff. Follow oh, him man. at, at Jesse Rubinoff. Such a big deal. You got in there early. Mm. You got the name as the handle. That's when you know you're real. Wait a second. Doesn't it mean that I'm not a big deal? That nobody would try and copy me and get you know make a fake Jesse Rubinoff account? <laughs> that would mean that I was a bi- that was not a big deal. But I'm sure there are hundreds of thousands of Jesse Rubinoffs, and you are the one on Twitter. Funny story. Funny story. I uh, my email is Jesse B. Rubinoff. Uh, not that I want spam or anything from, from the people out there. Too late. Uh, but it's Jesse B. Rubinoff because for some reason, uh, I, someone thought that there was a second Jesse Rubinoff in the building at Rogers. Is there not? No. It was just, I guess I just was duplicated in the system. So there were two of me. I feel like if you were part of a boy band, though, Jesse B. just rules right, yeah. off the tongue. Like if you're, I like all, are, you're yeah. on The Bachelor... Right, Jesse B. That's right. He he got the friendship rose. Producer uh, Dan Lorimer calls me Jesse B. Well, I as like a result it. of the email fiasco. So I, there you go. I call Shai Davidi the truth. Yeah. Because when he comes with an article, it is the truth, and he also has his own handle at Shai Davidi. Uh, he will join us from Fenway Park in the second hour of the show. A man who has taken the ball in Fenway Park, Ricky Romero. He joins us for the full second hour nice. as well. Nice. And before that. Nabatia, the super fan himself and a Hall of Famer, I might ask. He'll join us in hour one. But before we get to the show, Jesse, let's actually take it back to Ricky Rowe, who I believe also has his own name verified. But he's kind of a big deal. So that makes yeah, sense. yeah, he is. Uh, he's bigger deal than, than me. That's for sure. He's bigger deal than both of us combined. <laughs> uh, he's famously married also to someone who's a big deal, Carl Lang, uh, the first family of Canadian sports. I bring that up not to say that they're a big deal, but to say that you know they're a big deal because at their wedding, they famously had In-N-Out Burger as mm. their late-night snack, if you will. Uh, not long ago, you got married. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're in the age range where you are probably averaging, like, the mean weddings per summer for you is around, like, 6.5. You're, yeah, you're good at this. Yeah? yeah that's is that, that's is that pretty much bang on. That's what <laughs> Vegas would set the line at, for sure. <laughs> um, what, what, is, what is the biggest wedding flex you have seen in your many... Because uh, now, with, with, with COVID, flex. you're going to weddings on Tuesdays now. Yeah, yeah. I think mine was Double on a Thursday. Double cohort wedding I should season. know that, for sure, but I'm pretty sure mine was on a Thursday. Um, biggest wedding flex. Uh, one of my buddies... Got married at his like family cottage, but okay. the cottage was so big, 
and there's so much land that they had a, it must have been like 300 people and they were all there and we all stayed over and they had like a tent row set up like it was just I'm telling and, and honestly we didn't even make a dent in the rest of the land it was like the wedding a huge wedding on one like acre and then there's this whole other expanse that you can go and explore so that's the biggest flex just getting married on your own property I would think so the biggest wedding flex just so I'm hearing this correctly is being rich like I, I meant, so. like did you know Daniel Caesar sing or something like that? Like something out of the ordinary that made an experience. And, and your answer is just, yeah, he did well that, with the property brothers. Yeah, isn't that a, isn't that a flex? Isn't I that, suppose just, land just is a, your answer. La land, okay. Having right. having land is is a flex. At Tim and Friends, Wait, hold on. What's the what's, best what's, wedding? What's, what's yours? What's well, the, like, is it the In and Out of Ricky Rowe? The In and Out is a big one. I, 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 a buddy of mine, Oliver Radley Smith, had uh, McDonald's delivered as a late yeah, night snack. Yeah, that, so that's that, a go-to. That is a nice flex. Like, yeah, I think those would be those would be the okay, two. Okay, that leads me to another question. I know we got to get going on here, but uh, what's the best late night snack? Are you a McDonald's person? Would you have preferred In and Out from Ricky Rowe? Because th there are a lot of options that people bring nowadays to try and separate themselves from others. Great question. When you have eight um, weddings a summer, you need to differentiate, you know, so you got to <laughs> yes, you do. change it up. Listen, you, you can't have your wedding Pinterest page look like everybody That's else's. exactly right. <laughs> um, so the crack research staff on this very show yeah. uh, let me know that Tim McAuliffe had an ice cream, had an ice cream truck at his wedding, which is a nice did. flex, yeah. right? Yeah. You hear the music, ice cream! Yeah. <laughs> ice cream, the ice cream man is coming! Um, that's a great one. I'm more of a sweets guy mm. than a savory. So if you hit me up with some s'mores, you hit me up with some donuts, that's the table that I want to be yeah. at. Because I've already had, train. I've already had the, the steak or the, the chicken. I'm looking for something. Else. Let's be honest, the, the actual dessert that comes with the meal, oftentimes not that good. Yeah, like, I mean, that's Low-key, not that good. That's a fact. So that, that's where I'm at. You let us know at Tim and Friends as we try to randomly come up th with things that have nothing to do with sports. But <laughs> no, help us get through the two hours in the middle of July. Uh, what always helps me get through is you. Appreciate uh, you. You often say, I do, to the task of carrying me through this show, so I appreciate you. Why don't you start us off with the greatest lyricist of all time. Nice. That's right, I said it. Biggie Smalls and First Things First. Love it. First Things First. All right, so it, yeah, you mentioned it. It is the middle of July, so things calming down a little bit. <laughs> yes. But, but the Blue Jays get the unofficial second half of the season underway tonight in Boston. Kevin Gossman gets the start for the Jays against Nathan Yavaldi. You can see it on Sportsnet, starting with Blue Jays Central at 6:30 Eastern Time. The Jays are two games up on the Red Sox for the final wild card spot in the American League. What are you looking for between now and the trade deadline, less than two weeks away, Beach? What am I looking forward to? So maybe three trades, or a trade that gets them three things, some bullpen help, uh, another starting pitcher or two, and a left-handed bat. <clears throat> One Soto. We need but, to put you in the front office. Well, we need, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, it's not my money, though. Yeah, that's right. that I would be, or, or my prospect no, capital. No, it's not. It's, uh, there you go. That's right. Yeah. Um, but actually, like, can we just say before all that, like, forget about being proactive, like, retroactively, and maybe, like, right now, some health? Like, you've seen, obviously, the lineup that's come out tonight yeah hazel may has tweeted what name do you not see in that potential batting order yeah i mean i'm gonna go with uh george springer that's why rymel tapio is at the uh, top of the list there yeah and listen i, I love me some happy tappy but <laughs> we saw that this was a very different club a year ago with and without springer totally 
I don't want to see that. You, you can't afford to see that. When we were talking about this question earlier I, in our pre-show meeting, my thought was, how about everyone just hits to their averages, mm-hmm. right? How about you just get the performance you're expecting without Springer setting the table, all of that doesn't really matter. What are you looking forward to? I think they need their best players to be their best players. We've seen too often this season where the approach at the plate is go big or go home. And that's why the Jays find themselves near the bottom of the entire league with runners in scoring position. And that's not something that you would have anticipated coming into the year. Now, when you look at what their record is, considering how bad they've been with runners in scoring position, it's almost a minor miracle. But you need the talent to play up to the talent. And so far, you go through this lineup, and most everybody has had a, an average to below average year from what we were expecting, with the exception of probably Alejandro Kirk. And that's not going to get the job done. But, but there's a huge caveat here, and that's that they're still in a playoff spot when you consider that nobody has really played up to their potential. So that's got to make you feel good, and it's got to give the front office a little bit of hope knowing that if you make a couple moves here and there, because everybody knows what their weaknesses are, right? They need bullpen arms, maybe another starter to add to the depth with the injuries that they've suffered through, um, a left-handed bat. These are the things that they know. It's a matter of how willing are you going to be to go all in and get this thing done. Yeah, well, that's a great question because how willing are you to go all in? And what does going all in look like? Because, I mean, obviously, they're, they're in for, you know, a reliever. Guess what? Everyone needs some relief yeah. help, right? You can never have enough bullpen arms. A, a starter might mean a little bit more prospect capital, but you've you got to be in one because you now need to find a solution for – one, if not two, spots in your rotation. Kikuchi going down to Buffalo. The next strain, hopefully, gets figured out. Yeah, yeah. And he, he gets back and back to his all-star form. The next strain. The next strain, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, and listen, I, I feel bad for that. We're going to talk to Ricky Romero about you know where his mindset might be. I, totally. I feel like I just want to give him a hug every time he, he leaves uh, the mound. But you need two starters in that rotation for this year, maybe for the next couple years. So I think they go big game shopping there. But for whom? Do, do you get into the Juan Soto sweepstakes like maybe the New York Yankees and the New York Mets uh, might be in? Do, do you push all of those chips in the table? Yeah. Well, I think you look back on the recent history of the Blue Jays and you look at the times where they decided to go all in. It hasn't happened all that often, but 2013 did not work out. 2015, 2016, they went all in and... I mean, they didn't win a World Series, but it was a fun ride, right? And they came into this season, I think, with the expectation that this year was going to be like those years. This year was going to be like 2015 and 2016. And the jury remains out on whether they're going to get there. But like I said, they're still in the playoff spot right now. So the question becomes, are you going to be willing to part with the pieces that you're going to have to part with to bring someone like Juan Soto into the equation? Because... We discussed this last week, and we spent a good chunk of the show going through hypotheticals with the Juan Soto deal, because the Blue Jays were mentioned in an athletic article. It would take probably their four best prospects to get Juan Soto. Are you willing to do that when Vladdy came out before the year and said, <laughs> last year was the trailer, this is the movie. Yeah, this, this so far, it's been this a has short been a film. B movie. It's been a short film. It's been a B movie so far. Do you want to make it an A movie? And making an A movie oh, will be bringing Juan Soto here 
and being willing to give up the farm. <laughs> That's a lot to ask. Hey, listen. You're the host of the show today. Uh, Would you I, do that? I, I, I am like peak Blue Jays fan. My opinion changes basically based off the last tweet that I read. And so initially <laughs> I was like, this is lunacy. I'm sorry. Is he a starting pitcher? Is he a reliever? Is this a critical issue? A left-handed bat is a nice to have, not a need to have. If you give up so much to get him, what do you have to get some more arms that will help you in the postseason? Then I thought, and I was like, point. well, wait a minute. They're firmly in a postseason spot right now. When you get to the postseason, all you need is three real starters, and you're a problem. And so, so maybe you're not catching the Yankees anyways. Who cares? But then I thought to myself, well, actually, you should really go all in, have them under control for a couple years. You might move them and get a bunch of that prospect capital back in a couple years. Maybe it helps you with your negotiations with Bo and Vladdy in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you better bring that number down because we got Juan. We don't, we don't need you. We got Juan. And then I thought to myself, when I'm watching MLB Network, wait a minute, Mr. Morosi. <laughs> Should I, should I just be big game hunting even more so? Should we, let's play to get a battery in the back of all the Blue Jays fans. Let's play John Morosi from earlier today. So D-Row, I'm gonna see if this checks out with what D-Row has to say. I've got Shohei Otani going to the Toronto Blue Jays. And they of course have a very strong farm system, especially at the top. Now d -Row, they're gonna have He's to sweet. really tap into this farm system. Oh, come on, d -Row. here we go. We've got Shoyo Tani going north of the border. Max Castillo, a, a low key, very strong start of the season for him at the major league level. Gabriel Moreno, I believe is available because of course they've had Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen at the major league level. Ricky Tiedemann, check out his numbers. So far this season, tremendous. And Orelvis Martinez had a very, very good spring training. So D-Row is sleeping on it. DB is wide awake. Mm -hmm. I'm here for it because you are solving two issues. You're solving the starting pitching and you're, you're solving the left-handed bat issue. And they were obviously interested in Otani. They were in on him when he was coming to the major leagues. I'm not really sure. The, the part that was troubling me was why they were playing that random techno music in the background. Like, are we at <laughs> Sea Lounge? I know I Drake and, and Beyonce came with the house. But 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 in terms of Atani, I'm giving up the house. I'm giving up the farm. I'm giving up everything because he was the best player in baseball last year. He again for oh, he's me, gonna win MVP is again. the best yeah. sorry Giancarlo Stan. He's the best player in baseball again this year. Put him and Vladdy in the same lineup in their prime. What are we talking about? But the point is, it was just Morosi, and we don't know if that's real. But I, I would be interested in either or, to be quite frank. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you can. First of all, we, we gotta say that that the title of that segment was trade hypothetical. Hypothetical. So yeah. They probably had to come up with something like that. But if that's what it would take to get Shohei Otani, you do that in four seconds. Not even four seconds. You do it in one second. Like, you, you, you say yes and hang up the phone and, and hope that they don't call back and renege because he's probably going to be a two-time MVP by the time this season is done. Uh, we put out a match game today yes. because the second half of the season is getting underway. So we want to know from you, the Jays need to blank in the second half of the season. We already have a ton of reactions so far. I'm going to get to a couple answers here. Ooh, but again, the Jays need to blank 
in the second half of the season, JJ writes in and says, play like we actually have six All-Stars on the roster. Woo-wee, wow, JJ. Good start. Uh, J- GC says, mic up Manoa during games because he's super entertaining while he's pitching. How good was that? Like we so talked about, it. he became a star in the majors. He's been a star in Toronto for a minute here already, but he became a major league baseball star after the microphone at the All Star. I loved him on the red carpet with no. Sh- yes, he's so cool. Let's go. He's so cool. Uh, B says, "Stop leaving runners on base." <laughs> Amen to that one. Uh, off the clock says, "Trade for Juan Soto." Yes. You got uh, me and DJ both on board with that. Uh, Mark says, the Jays need to get to the feature film and show the movie in the second half of the season. I mean, the ups and downs have been pretty crazy considering they are in a playoff spot, but it is an expanded playoff too, which helps things. Yes. Uh, Alejandro Kirk Enjoyer says, turn Looney Dog Night into Toonie Dog Night so we can afford one Soto. <laughs> well done. Uh, Greg. Stop the ice water dunking after games they win. Really, Greg? You knew that was coming. Really, Greg? You knew that. Of all things? Yeah. Of all things. Stop the ice water dunking after games. Uh, Stop. I'm sure Hazel would appreciate it, though. Uh, Brian loved it. Uh, Of course he did. Uh, Brian Leach says the Jays need to get back in tune for the second half. You know what that game is. Is he showing a great outfit? I'm not really sure what the issue is. No, no. It says there's a caption there. It's humming softly off key. Oh, please. In case you couldn't see that. I set the key, Brian. (laughs) Good. Uh, okay, so keep sending them in because uh, there's been a lot of reaction, like I said, uh, and we would appreciate more. And we'll go to it throughout the show here today as the Jays get the second half underway. Week 7 in the CFL kicked off with a pair of games last night. The Red Blacks remained winless after a 40-33 and loss to the Alouettes, who moved into a tie for first place in the East with their second win of the season. Meanwhile, the Lions hung on to beat the Ticats in a lower-scoring affair. 17-12, BC quarterback Nathan Rourke had 250 passing yards his lowest total of the season, and threw multiple interceptions for the third straight game. Very enjoyable interview when he was on here last week. Is work starting to come back down to earth, though? I mean, if he's coming back to earth, he's still at a higher level than everyone else. Mm -hmm. Listen, name your QB stat that you care about. Completion percentage, first. Yards, first. Touchdowns, first. QBR, first. Swag, first. Canadian citizenship, first. Like, he is going to win. I mean, we're one-third of the way through the season. But at this point, you know, he may lap the competition. The only person who could touch him is Zach Claros because his team is undefeated. He's going to win MOP and, and, and most outstanding Canadian in the same season. He is that good. And so, sure, is he coming down to earth? Maybe, but I, I talked to... Enoch Mwamba on the Waggle Podcast. Mm-hmm. Please listen and subscribe. He said, this guy right now is only reading half the field. They're keeping it super simple. And my counter to that was, well, you better get him now because when he starts reading the entire field, he's going to be even more of a problem. So he might be coming back to earth, but to do what he's doing in his first year as a full-time starter, there's high-level NCAA players. There are future CFL Hall of Famers, including... Doug Flutie, whose record he may you know, surpass for touchdowns in a year, Flutie had 48, he's on pace for 50, who didn't put up these types of numbers these, this early in their career. He passes the eye test, too. Like he, He's got the intangibles, he's got the arm, he's got the look of a successful quarterback, so it'll be interesting to keep track of how Nathan Work does. Uh, unfortunately for him, he plays in the West Division. 
Yes. Uh, why is the East so bad and the West so good, or which one is it? Oh, when the East is in the house, oh my God, danger. Um, so, I talked about cold takes to start the show. I had one that was freezing cold this offseason. You know, Masoli goes to Ottawa, Toronto Argos are spending the CFL version of TFC money. Uh, Hamilton's been to a thousand great cups in a row without winning any. I was like, listen, the East is actually going to be the better division. Boy, was I wrong. And, and I should have been because people don't win by spending money in free agency. They win with leadership and stability. Mm-hmm. You go across the country, whether it was, it's BC in, in their stability in their front office and head coach with, with Campbell and look at Calgary with Huffnagel and Dickinson, you know, Saskatchewan with Dickinson and O'Day, you know, doing a great job. Um, you, know, you know, there's that stability. And, and then you're obviously talk, looking at the defending champs in uh, Winnipeg with two Canadians and, and Michael Shea uh, uh, running the sidelines, uh, two Canadians running, you know, their front office and, and football ops. They've got the stability and proven pedigrees in terms of winners. And in the East, you've got people who are younger in the roles for the most part, you know, haven't had that pedigree. So, so I think the, the management and the stability in the West is why we're seeing that early success. It's a coincidence, though, right? Like, it's, it, there's no real reason why, coincidence. why front offices would be uh, more experienced in the West versus the East. Like, this is just something that we've seen over the course of uh, years in different sports. Like, remember the Western Conference all throughout the 90s and the early 2000s? dominated the East like that in that way it's a bit of a coincidence well you've had a, a turnstile in terms of management in Toronto uh, you know up until MLSC a turnstile in ownership uh, you know Rick Campbell things didn't really get along mm-hmm. in Ottawa he took the great cup that he won them and went to BC so you, you certainly have had investment from the right. ownership level in point. the West and, and I think that's why you see including Chris Jones who's defensive coordinator in Toronto obviously goes and he's looking to turn around Edmonton he's won a championship as a GM as a coach as a coordinator the, some of the greatest minds in our game of all time currently reside in the West West team's 14-2 and two against the East Work. this season, which is pretty crazy. All right, we go to soccer. Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernadeschi will make their debuts for Toronto FC tomorrow against FC Charlotte. They'll join fellow Italian national team member Dominico Crescito, who made his TFC debut earlier this month. The Reds are currently in second last in the East. Can the Italian imports save their season, DJ? I mean, they can't keep a clean sheet on their own. I mean, I suppose if they just dominate possession, they can. But, but it's been the back that has been the issue for, for TFC yet to have a clean sheet this year. It, it, there's so many teams that you'll have to jump to make a run that getting in the playoffs is a tall order. Beating Charlotte, you know, who you're seven points back from, getting all three points and, and closing that gap to four would be, you know, a, a, a big step in the right direction. I think they can make it certainly interesting, Mm -hmm. but when you talk about the amount of money and investment that MLSC and TFC is putting into, you know, these three, uh, not to mention, you know, Kay in the middle of the field, the Canadian coming back to TFC, talk about that amount of money, it's not just about getting a first-round playoff date on the road that you can't even really fiscally capitalize. It's about having full buildings. It's about having shows like this talk about you regularly. Merch. So being part of the sports conversation mm-hmm. in this country, and, and I think it's really interesting that they just said, listen, we, we, we've seen 
Euro. Won't see uh, Woodbridge pop in for World Cup uh, this winter, but uh, we've seen what this area is like for Euros and World Cups in the past. We know there's a market there. We're going to double down on it and get some of the best Italian players walking the earth right now to play right here. I'm fascinated to see from a business standpoint, if it makes sense, uh, regardless of how many points they're able to secure between now and the rest of the regular season. It could be really fun if they go on a mini run here to try and make the playoffs. Uh, okay. Charles Barkley could be the next big name to join the Live Golf Tour after he met with Greg Norman earlier this week to discuss a role as a commentator. In an interview with the New York Post, Barkley said he would like to work on the Live broadcasts and keep his role on TNT's Inside the NBA. He said he knows there would be blowback to his decision, but believes there is, quote, selective outrage among critics of Live Golf. Do you agree? I do. It's it's one of these things that we've talked about for a while, and slowly more guys and more guys yeah, it's have problem. trickled it's into problem. the live situation. And, and now you know Stenson uh, uh, is, I think, not the biggest player, but you go from being a Ryder Cup captain. The implications are big, right? Yeah. So, I, it, with Charles, does that come? Certainly, maybe a broadcaster because I think you need to get in front of mass audiences in North America but maybe a streamer picks them up because uh, they're always looking for content I, I think what's fascinating is the prospect of Adidas mm-hmm. essentially buying a team for a billion but again if, if no one sees it it's just on YouTube what does that matter <laughs> it, Charles does make a point in terms of the selective outrage because he's almost telling on his own sponsors well I'm a Nike guy Nike, and yeah, he told Nike. we're all got yeah. blood money in some ways I just think the real outrage of this happens and he can't be on Turner and TNT was forget about Liv ruining these random PGA tournaments in between the majors, which people really care about. If Liv ruins inside the NBA, I think a <laughs> bunch of people would, would literally take notice and be like, wait, what's going on here? Yeah, there, there would be a, an outrage and a protest about that because that is one of the better studio shows that they have going. Yeah, yeah, it, it's remarkable. Uh, you know, the more we talk about these sports, Conversations, the more they are so nuanced and tough to navigate, and this um, is the latest example of that. No question about it. It lives not going away. So you better start paying attention because it will be here for the foreseeable future. Yeah, well, unfortunately, uh, the issues with Hockey Canada aren't going away. Yet more ugly news today when it comes to Hockey Canada. Next week, the Standing Committee on Canadian Heritage will meet once again in regards to Hockey Canada's handling of an alleged 2018 sexual assault by members of TP Canada's World Junior Team. London police confirmed today they'll reopen that case. Also, this week the Globe and Mail ran a story on Hockey Canada's slush fund, which was used to settle sexual assault claims out of court. Hockey Canada then admitted and stopped immediately uh, when that became public. Today, yet another revelation. TSN's Rick West had reported on outlining an alleged group of sexual assault by members of the 2002-2003 World Junior Team in Halifax. Hockey Canada released a statement today in response, calling the accusations deeply disturbing. Adding, quote, we believe the alleged incident from 2003 should be investigated by the authorities, and we urge the police to open an investigation into this disturbing situation. Hockey Canada will cooperate with and support the authorities in every way we can, and we once again urge anyone who may have relevant information about this alleged incident to contact Halifax Police immediately. Hockey Canada wants to hear from anyone past or present who feels they are a victim of mistreatment, sexual violence, harassment, or abuse by someone affiliated with our organization. 
And I mean, it, you know, Jesse, I, it seems like every time I open the Twitter app, there's another story rooted in the game of hockey, somewhat toxic, whether it's relevant to race, assault, violence, homophobia. And I, I, I don't want to throw stones from a glass house. I, I feel a part of the football culture and, you know, that past has been not exactly clean. But I think at some point, if we're going to call you know, hockey our national pastime and we're going to say we believe as Canadians we're all about inclusion and diversity and safety, we should ask the very same of that game that so many people love. And so many people who love the game need to step up and fight for it so that we're not continuing to have the same conversation. I, I don't understand how a culture gets set up where we're seeing these things so often, but I do understand there's a lot of great people in the game that this doesn't represent them, but uh, a lot of people, when they call these things out, they're challenged mm -hmm. for it, as if they should lose their passport because of it. I think some people within the game need to start calling these things out. Yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a national embarrassment. It's quickly becoming a national embarrassment, and you gotta, you gotta think that there's gonna be parents out there who are seeing these stories and questioning whether they should have their kid participate in hockey or have anything to do with Hockey Canada. And that's going to be the next step here as these stories continue seemingly to, to trickle out. It is incredibly unfortunate and quickly becoming an embarrassment to the country. Yeah, and there are other uh, national sports organizations who could certainly use the investment from the corporate world and the government uh, if it isn't used uh, in hockey quickly uh, in a good way. Uh, still to come, Jesse's got Thank Golf. It's Friday Let's as we go. try to lighten the mood a little bit, and we give away a Golf Town gift card. Ricky Romero in studio for hour number two. Shadaviti joins us from Fenway Park ahead of the Jays and Red Sox. And after the break, Raptors super fan Nabatya stops by to discuss his thoughts on the team, the Durant sweepstakes, and his summer basketball camp. Tim and friends, no Tim, and it's Friday. From the Toronto Blue Jays, Ricky Romero. The second half of the baseball season is officially underway. Swing and a miss. Strikeout number 10. Execution of that splitter has been sensational. A hot team that has been cooled off by Gosman. Ooh. <laughs> oh my God. Bring me. Bring me. Super fan in the house. He is an institution here. You are the guys, we are the champ. You are the guys, we are the champ. You are the guys, we are the champ. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. And this is a sanctuary for friends of the show. And a real friend of the show, friend of mine, someone that you know well, Raptors fans know him well and love him, Nabatia, the super fan who I would argue loves the Raptors more than any other fan, uh, but that is debatable. But what isn't debatable, what you've done for the community. Thanks for joining us, Nab. And tell me about the first ever Nabatia fantasy basketball camp. What do you have in store? Thank you very much for having me, my friend. And uh, yeah, this is amazing. I've been thinking of that for the last few years, but with pandemic, it's going to happen it now. We are trying to present a camp which I believe the kids have never experienced it right here in Canada. It's going to be one of the most amazing camp ever done. And the kids don't even know that what's going to be happening in there. They're going to feel, I can just tell you, they're going to feel like a 
NBA or WNBA player for that particular day. We are doing for 416 kids, 104 on a daily basis, July 29th, 30th, 31st, and 1st of August. And they're going to feel with the uniform is like the NBA uniform or the WNBA uniform. They're going to have their own locker for the day. And uh, they're going to get a lot of goodies. It's going to be like a Christmas come early for them. And I tell you, they are going to have some surprise visitors from the NBA, WNBA coaches and all that. So it's going to be just amazing, not just showing them the skills of basketball, but also showing them about the teamwork, about the diversity and their responsibility towards their community. So it's going to be one amazing, amazing camp. And this is the first time we are doing it. As you know, that we built four basketball courts in Morton in uh, a year ago, and we are going to be using these uh, uh, for our first ever camp right here and we are getting a lot of good response from the community and uh, registrations are going very fast we just opened up some more spots today and i would want everybody who's watching it to register on superfancamp.com as soon as you can because you're going to regret if you don't join this now i love it i i, I love it and i love the fact that there's a lottery for kids from Malton that I believe you're picking the winners tonight that they don't have to pay. They're free. And for everyone else, obviously, you can register at superfancamp.com. What I also love about you, though, is a couple of things. One is that you're essentially a NASCAR uh, driver. You have so many sponsors, and Tim Hortons is giving them breakfast, and Paramount Foods is giving them lunch, uh, and Tangerine is sponsoring it. But I also love that you have celebrities all around you all of the time, sitting courtside. Just give us one now. The biggest name that's going to come through is who? Give, just give us one name. Biggest name is you. Oh, you please. will be there. The biggest name is you, along with some other celebs. So, you know, don't ask me that. I want to <laughs> surprise the kids, okay? I want to surprise the kids. You don't tell about your Christmas gifts, what you're going to put it in it, or do you? Uh, I, 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 I can't wait. So I actually open them, look, and then, like, tape them back up. So uh, I, I'm now telling Canada that I have no patience. Okay, well, you ain't going to do that with me, okay? I want everybody, thank you for having me on. I want everybody to go this today, tomorrow, and on the weekend. Go on that superfancamp.com and register your kids. Anybody who's between 7 and 14, Around that, please go register it ASAP because you're going to regret it if you're not a part of it. Okay, well, listen, everyone knows you're a super fan of the team that has had a nice offseason, some nice signings, great draft pick. Your excitement for the upcoming season is what? In relation to all of the teams that you've seen since the inaugural season, what are you excited about most going into this year? You know, I'm very excited. You know, I believe last year that we had a hell of a team with Scotty Bonds being the rookie of the year. We're going to continue that growth. We're going to continue that excitement. Those young people, long arms, a lot of energy. We're going to just continue and I'm going to leave it up to um, Mr. Webster's and Masai to come up with the team on October the 2nd. And whatever team they come, I'm going to be cheering on that team. You talked about long arms and excitement. I wasn't sure if you're referencing the rookie of the year, Scotty Barnes, or one of the 15 best players of all time, Kevin Durant. If Bobby and Masai and Teresa <laughs> called you and said, Nav, 
I just don't know. Marks won't move. He wants Scotty Barnes in the deal. You're friends with KD. What do I do? Nav Bhatia, super fan, is saying what? Well, I'm just saying is whatever. I, you know, I love Scotty Barnes. Those young legs, those long arms, that energy. Whatever, again, whatever Masai and Bobby Webster decide, I am with them. That's what they get big money paid to them for. So let them decide on October 2nd, whatever team they give it to me, I'm going to be cheering on that team along with everybody else in the arena. Nav, I know if you ran in politics, you'd win. But, like, this is ridiculous. Uh, biggest surprise won't give me a good answer. Gave me the political answer. Trade Barnes for Katie gave me the political answer. You are too good for me. All right, I'll, I'll ask you this before we let you go. Okay. You are great friends with many a Raptor, and you've seen all of them. Your favorite Raptor of all time is who? You know, I think everybody who has worn a Raptors uniform is my favorite, but I'm going to let you win on this one. Vince Carter, VC15, my best one. And not because he was a hell of a basketball player, he was the best dunker of all time, but because what he did with the kids. You know, what he did, he did the camps every year. While he was here, four, five hundred kids every year. And I love for that. And also what he did for the Raptors to bring us on this world map. You know, before that, they were not. And you know that he brought it to them and our existence today. Thank you, Vince Carter. Well, many uh, Raptors fans say thank you, Navbatia, for putting this team on literally your chest, but also uh, on, on your shoulders, being an ambassador for the club, taking them to the Hall of Fame as the first fan uh, brought into the Hall of Fame. Uh, and just like Vince, you were putting on camps for the young players who aspire to be a Raptor, an NBA player one day. Looking forward to it, superfancamp.com. Thank you, Nav, and have a great time with all the kids. Thank you, and I want to see you there during those four days, during the camp, inspiring the kids. Well, people were so upset with my terrible Global Jam basketball performance, uh, which you were you know, the chairman of, that I'll try to get around the court, but people might start booing. Please do. No, 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 they won't boo. I tell you, you inspire. You inspire me all the time. When you interviewed me the very first time a few years ago, you literally inspired me. So, you know, don't underrate yourself. Come there. Kids will love to meet with you and uh, talk to the kids. And I tell you, let's do this together so that we can inspire the kids. You can't say no to Nav Bhatia. But sadly, we have to say goodbye. Uh, I'm there. Thanks, Nav. Can't wait. Thank you very much. Thank you. After that motivational speech, time for a break. It's Friday, which means thank golf. It's Friday is on the way. Brooke Henderson had a huge day at the Evian Championship. We'll get to the highlights up next. Here we go now. Thank God it's Friday. Thank golf it's Friday. I... I'm a terrible golfer other than Tiger Woods golf. So, Jesse, this oh, is all game. you. I love golf fashion, but I'm not good at the sport. So, you handle this. I'm just going to literally put my feet up and let you take this over. Why don't we kick it off with some nice sound effects off the top. Relax you. Let's. Thank golf. It's Friday. Okay. Brought to you by Golf Town. I love it. I love it. Very relaxing on a Friday. All right. Yeah. We got to go to uh, the fourth major of the year on the LPGA Tour, the okay. Evian Championship. And let's check in with Brooke Henderson because Brooke playing some good golf. Started the day one back to the lead. Part four, 12th. Already three under on the day. Approach shot. 
eyeing it down, and ooh, it's a good one. Ends up inside 10 feet. She would birdie, moves into a tie for the lead at 11 under, part 316. Brooke looking at birdie. Bottom, bottom. Puts it in. All alone at the top at 12 under, part 417. Henderson, second shot from the fairway. You can just tell by looking at her face, she's dialed in on this yeah. day. She would make birdie and takes a two-shot lead at 13 under, okay. part 518. Henderson. Give me that. speed. Finishes the day with three consecutive birdies. Five under, 31 on the back. Leads by three after back-to-back -back 64s. Heading into Saturday, that is what you want to see at a major tournament. Brooke Henderson, I might say one of the more underappreciated athletes in this country. Always gets it done. Very consistent. Has one major under her belt already. Going for number two this week. As a female, no doubt. Right? Yeah. Who consistently from a young age has been so great. She is our version of Atiba Hutchinson. It's just been so good, so class for so long. But if they walk the streets I'm in assuming. Yorkville, That's right. no one would know. Christina Rutherford actually has a great profile on Brooks. So if you want to get to know a little bit more about her, but yeah, she's a beast. Amazing. Um, all right, let's go to one of the craziest things I've seen in a golf tournament anywhere. It's at the Alberta Men's Mid-Major Golf Tournament. Ryan Weir took a two-stroke lead to the 18th tee. What? Wait, what? His second shot not only found a tree. Is he a raccoon? But got, I mean, looks like it here. Got stuck in a tree, climbed up, never found the ball, took a nine on the hole, costing him the title. Wait, what? We started this, this little piece of video here. 18! He took a nine on 18! I mean, that brings me back to the Jean Vandeveld days. Just a remarkable finish to the Alberta Men's Mid-Amateur Golf Championship. Climbing up in a tree, DJ. Have you seen that ever before? This is golf. No, I haven't. Not Happy Gilmore. I haven't seen that. It's got pine needles all in his shins. <laughs> it's too good. But like, can we not? Can, it, the ball's gone. Like, can we not take a drop? Like, what do we? What, really? Well, yeah, he took. Yeah, I'm assuming he took. He took a drop. He just ended up with the nine and lost the golf tournament on 18. But I mean, he, he tried had, everything he could there, evidently. So, geez, that's you got to pour one out for this that, guy. That's, that's rough. tough. That is tough. Okay. Uh, at this point, we are all familiar with the come out and play challenge. You know, the one where Tim, Ken, Colby, and Carolyn get crushed at golf by Preston Cowie, a seven-year-old golf town ambassador. Uh, sure what I was doing at seven, but it wasn't swinging like Preston. Anyways, today we get introduced to a new member of the team. Any guesses? Goes by the name Tom, and apparently he brings some serious style to the crew. Brady? Take a look. Episode number three of the Come Out and Play Challenge, presented by our friends at Golf Town. We are at lovely Bayview Golf and Country Club in Thornhill, Ontario. Putting competition, you cannot use a putter. Choose wisely. I wonder how I should do this. Oh, look at this. It's actually not bad. Oh. oh! I gotta do this pure mini stick style. Sauce. Oh. oh, you didn't play the break, though. Here's a free tip. Oh! Oh, oh look at this. Oh. And with the win. Oh. Preston, who gets the style point? Tom. Tom! <laughs> I'm Tom! Tom and friends, weeknights at five. Next challenge, Colby, it's yours. Yeah, stay tuned. Good tease. <laughs> 
Tom and Friends. It doesn't roll off the tongue. Tom and Friends? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so does Tim and Friends, in fairness to him. True. Uh, okay, so we had yet another Golf Town giveaway, and we picked a winner at random. Let's just refresh what we asked for. We sent him this tweet if you want to take the computer. We like big putts, and we've got another $200 gift card from Golf Town to give away. We asked you to tag us or upload a good or bad putt video below, and we do, in fact, have a winner, and that winner is Anthony Burgess. Again, this was picked at random, so I uh, don't want anyone to get uh, too mad, but let's have a look at what Anthony sent in, and congratulations to Anthony Burgess for the victory. Son. Good weight. His really son good knocking weight. down oh, a 30-footer to save par at a recent junior what tournament. I'm going to be quiet because there's sound here. That was an unlikely par. Holy cow, it's like a 30-footer. He just drilled it. What a par. That's going to boost him big time. Uh, hello. Pretty good. Not only was the putt good, the hushed tone golf yeah. broadcasting Jim Nance voice was good. Unlikely, though. Have some faith, Dad. It's pretty crazy that you get on the golf course and you automatically just assume you're Jim Nance. Like, you're, you're out with the boys <laughs> and you just you just want to put that voice on. Uh, so, a jam-packed edition. That was a jam-packed edition of Thank Golf. It's Friday. Thank Golf It's Friday, brought to you by Golf Town. We believe adventure starts at the first tee, so come out and play. Time for a break. Uh, we got a pretty good golfer joining us. Uh, on the on-deck circle or in the bullpen warming up, uh, nice. Ricky Romero will be joining us at the Blue Jays walking back the first in tee. action. He's walking to the first tee. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We'll see if he's hitting him straight uh, this summer, but uh, he'll join us and he'll help me keep it straight with Shai Davidi as we break down Jay's Red Sox next on Tom and Friends. And now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. That is right. Thank you, Sheepdogs. Back here for hour number two on Tim and Friends. Full hour on Sportsnet 360, but just half hour to go on Sportsnet ahead of Blue Jays Central and the Jays and the Red Sox tonight. Ricky Romero in studio in moments. Just wait. And Shadaviti from the park in Boston. But first, some hockey news. Patrick Lane has signed a four-year deal to stay in Columbus. Lane was a restricted free agent and signs a deal that will pay him 8.7 million bucks per season. Line A has 36 goals and 77 points in 101 games with Blue Jackets since they acquired him from the Jets for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Line A joins Johnny Goudreau in Columbus long term. The Jackets then made a trade, flipping Oliver Bjorkstrand to the Kraken for third and fourth round pick. The move helps the Jackets against the cap. Bjorkstrand is due 5.4 million per season through 2026. He had 28 goals last season and has been with the Jackets his whole career since breaking into the league in 2015. Pierre-Luc Dubois has accepted his qualifying offer from the Jets for one year and six million. He's under control through 2024, but has already said he plans to test free agency at that point. Given that there's plenty of speculation, he could be dealt this summer, and he has expressed a desire to play for the Canadians. As mentioned, a big series for the Blue Jays to kick off their second half. The Jays currently occupy the third and final wild card spot in the American League, 
Two games up on the Red Sox right now. Kevin Guzman gets the call tonight. He has been incredible against the Red Sox this season with a tiny 0.43 ERA and three starts. Nathan Avaldi gets the ball for the Red Sox and great to see. Jay's first base coach, Mark Budzinski, he rejoins the team tonight in Boston. Here's the Jays' lineup against Evaldi. The big news, no George Springer, who sits the first game back after skipping the All-Star game to rest his elbow. Obviously a little concerning, but John Snyder saying they're just being cautious. Romeo Tapio will lead off and play center. Vladdy in the two-hole, followed by Kirk, Bichette, and Teoscar. Santiago Espinal, friend of the show, plays second and bats eighth, with Danny Jansen catching Guzman and batting ninth. And... Someone who has been caught by the Jays manager, John Snyder, and who will never be caught by me because the arm still gets up to 90. True? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. We'd have to. I'd need a good week, and I probably could. Well, <laughs> Jesse can catch you. I'm in. I'm in. I do it 100%. Uh, Ricky Romero joins us. Thank you for making time, my brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we, uh, we, um, we asked the audience match game the match game question of what do the Jays need in the second in the half second of the half of the season. Uh, we ask you because, quite frankly, I care more about what you think than the audience. I think, to me, it comes down to quality starts. If they're able to get quality starts out of their starters, Jose, I'm talking Jose Barrios, Kikuchi has to be able a reliable guy. You know what we're getting out of Manoa, Gosman. Stripling has been awesome addition to that rotation and he's filled in nicely, but Berrios and Kikuchi to me are the guys that have to obviously Berrios ended up good that's that the the first half now it's just a matter of him kind of Getting on a roll and continuing that role because he's he's another key part of in this rotation. Yeah, interesting to me Stripling gets to start in Fenway on the road they hold Brios to get a start at home when the home road splits for him have been much better. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it, it, they probably ask him, and it's a comfort thing, right? I mean, if it, hey, where, where would you rather start, or how do how should we piece this together, and all those things get taken into consideration. And I mean, Stripling to me has been the MVP of the team. I don't know where this team would be without him. And obviously, we you, they have so many big names and Vladdy and Bichette and guys like that, but. What Stripling has been able to do to that rotation, to me, is it's 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 unbelievable because nobody expected that. No, he's essentially giving them the production they thought they were going to get out of Ryu. Uh, so it's been key uh, for me. It is key to follow Shai Davidi, who joins us as we now head to Fenway and bring Shai on. Shai, you're always a big part of the conversation covering the All-Star Game in L.A. Now you're at one of baseball's cathedrals. Pretty decent week for you, eh, Shai? Yeah, not too bad from one historic ballpark to another, and <laughs> it's certainly been hot, and uh, I feel for the guys playing tonight. This is some humid, humid muggy stuff that they're going to have to grind through. Uh, probably going to be worse on Saturday and Sunday when we're in the sunshine. Uh, so I'll be able to kick it in a little bit of air conditioning a bit later. Going to be much more comfortable than guys on the field and be able to enjoy a couple, uh, a pretty good series, a pretty interesting one for both teams. And shy of veteran. He says, no half wins or not. We're going golf shirt mm -hmm. in the heat. Smart guy. Always smart. Smart guy. Uh, I, I think in terms of uh, concerning, what was concerning for some Jays fans is when they saw Hazel May's tweet earlier that given he was rested 
for that all-star break that you attended, George Springer not back in the lineup with that pesky elbow. From what you're seeing and hearing, is there reason for concern or is it just routine maintenance? Well, I just spoke to him a couple minutes ago about what's going on there. And I said to him, you know, the thought was, you know, you'd have the all-star break, you'd be able to jump back. And, uh, and basically he said they're just trying to be a little bit extra cautious right now that they want to get it to a point where he's feeling uh, good enough to play. And he doesn't expect it to heal over the course of the season. He knows that it's just something that he's going to have to battle through. But he just wants to get to a point where he's a little bit more comfortable. Something that John Schneider said a little bit earlier I thought was interesting was that we just want to get George Springer closer to 100% as often as we can, as opposed to having him play in the 75% range. That this doesn't this doesn't seem like it's something that's going to go away. It's really going to be something by the sounds of it They're going to have to manage for the rest of the season and try to find ways to both Get as much out of George Springer as they can and try to get him also in the best possible condition as they can Shai going forward with uh, with Kikuchi and him starting today in AAA What's the plan for him going forward? What, what, is, what is the talk in, in the clubhouse um, in getting him back and hopefully he can get rolling again? Well, I think there's a lot of anxiety right now, or not anxiety, but maybe anxiousness to see how it turns out. Because I got the sense that they're pretty excited about what they were seeing from him in recent days. You know, they had him working out. They had him uh, obviously pitching off a mound, but they had him just doing a bunch of throwing and uh, around the infield, doing some defensive work as well. It seems that, uh, or at least they believe that they've got him to a more athletic place with his delivery, maybe worrying a bit less about his mechanics. Uh, they feel that he's found his arm slot, one that's gonna allow him to be effective. So uh, there's a lot of uh, anticipation of what it's gonna look like on the mound. And uh, depending on how tonight goes, uh, you know, that's really gonna dictate the next steps. They're, it sounds like they could maybe insert him into the rotation next week when they have a need. Uh, I believe they won't need a fifth starter again until Saturday against the Tigers. And that could be the day they could put him in a little bit earlier and buy everybody else another extra day, uh, or at least the guys who pitched this week an extra day. So there are a few different ways they could go about it at this point. But it all starts with what it looks like tonight. And if, if it looks anything like what the Blue Jays were seeing in recent days during his workouts, uh, it sounded like there was a lot of excitement and a lot of belief that that could be a pretty good springboard for him. Shia, the team now under John Snyder, 4-1 and one since he took over for Charlie Montoya. Now, incredibly small sample size, not the most difficult competition, but are, are you seeing being around them and, and watching them play any tangible differences or at the major league level is the manager essentially just putting out the lineup card? No, there were some differences. I think we saw a little bit more hit and run. Uh, he's made a, a conscious effort to push a little bit more aggressiveness on the bases uh, to the point that even during the All-Star break in LA, I was talking to Santiago Espinal, and he said that you know trying to find ways to steal more bases and be more aggressive on the base paths to get an extra 90 feet whenever he can. That's one of the goals for him, and one of the ways that he can improve in the second half of the season. So that's one aspect that clearly is filtering down uh, to the players. Uh, you know, I asked him today. There was such a whirlwind for him taking over last week. You know, it, it, there was. The, this Charlie Montoya's dismissal, a few hours later he's managing a game, it's five straight games into the All-Star break. 
what did he do over over that break to adjust and maybe think about his processes? And he said he disengaged a little bit for a couple days. Then he started thinking about how it's all going to piece together, what he wants to do. Uh, they had a discussion today as a group where he re really reiterated some of the the subtle differences that he's going to want, uh, wanted to make sure that his communication was clear with the players, uh, and really just lay out his expectations for the group. And he doesn't want to have a ton of meetings, but he said he does want to have the occasional gatherings of the entire group because sometimes the different parts of the teams, and Ricky, you could certainly speak to this, get siloed. You know, the starters are together, starters, bullpen guys are bullpen guys, position players are all together. and. You know the the different parts of the team don't necessarily get together, and so he wanted to at least have uh, a periodic uh, setting where the whole group gets together. And so those are a few little differences that are going to start showing through uh, from this point forward through the rest of the season. Trade deadline. Everyone's been talking about it. Everyone, we've been hearing Juan Soto, Shohei Otani, all those names. But what do the Jays do? At the trade deadline, what do you think is going to be the biggest move they make? Well, I mean, they've, like every team in baseball, worth their salt. They've kicked tires on uh, Juan Soto, and uh, they, they were even doing that before the news that he'd rejected the extension broke. So there, if that's a possibility for them, you know, you'd be insane to not at least pursue it and check out what that means for you as a, as a team and what that's going to cost. But the clear need is pitching. Right, and I, I've had this conversation with a couple different people now, saying, I feel when Ryu went down, everyone just assumed, oh, this team has to get a starter, this team has to get a starter. And I've spoken to some people who feel like you know, getting a couple relievers who can pitch and leverage would almost be better than getting a starter. That if you're only gonna do one or the other, they would rather two relievers. Uh, just because I, there's still a strain of faith in Kikuchi that he's going to turn it around and uh, be a guy that they can count on every five days to just give the team a chance to win. There's uh, obviously a lot of faith in Ross Stripling and what he can do, but being able to add a couple leverage arms to the bullpen, that's a way to really impact the team. And you think about the way playoff games are played, the way games down the stretch are often played. You just need a lot of leverage arms in that bullpen. And so I wonder if that ends up being the priority. I do feel like there's a world in which, you know, the Blue Jays find a way to add a left-handed bat, add a depth starter, add a reliever too. You know, again, if, if there's a, an opportunity to do something bigger, we've seen the Blue Jays pursue elite talent at every opportunity. It's how they got Jose Barrios last summer, uh, how they got Kevin Gosman to sign this winter, George Springer two winners ago. So it would be crazy to think that they wouldn't at least check in and see whether they could find a reasonable deal it through their eyes for Soto or Shohei Otani but I think ultimately the likeliest course is that there's a couple of relievers a depth starter and maybe a left-handed bat as well well I wasn't going to take it there but Ricky brought it there, so here we are. Uh, you mentioned two things, left-handed bat and a starting pitcher. There's one player you can get both in one transaction, and that's Otani. And you know what it's like. Trade deadline for the fans, so much of it is managing expectations. And they expect one thing, but other things are more realistic. Is Otani at all realistic, given the fact that whether you know it's A-Rod um, or Stanton, we've seen MVPs traded 
in the offseason, we've never seen MVPs traded really at the deadline at this level. Yeah, and a deal for Otani, there was a lot of conversation about how Juan Soto is unprecedented, and to a certain extent, yeah, it is unprecedented. You know, the closest comp that I could come up with was Miguel Cabrera from the Marlins to the Tigers all those years ago, uh, but that's not perfect. And Otani is essentially acquiring two players. Like, how do you value him? I, I, you know, I would have, I'm fascinated by how an arbitration case would look like for him, uh, because are you paying him for both roles? You know, are you combining that into one collective war and paying it based on that? And then in terms of a trade, yeah, how do you do that? Like, how, are, you, are you really charging another team as if they're acquiring two players? So uh, there are a lot of layers to that. Look, again, I, I think the Blue Jays have shown that they are interested in elite talent. They tried to get Shohei Otani when he came over. Uh, they were not amongst the finalists. They were disappointed to not be amongst the finalists because they felt that they had made enough inroads beforehand that they would at least get to the final eight. So there's a, a history there uh, and a belief in the player and why it, that would only be amplified by what is accomplished in the major leagues. But knowing uh, Perry Manassian, the, the GM of the Angels, if he's making that deal, it has to be transformative for his team. And for the Blue Jays to be able to deliver that kind of value you know, they're going to have to subtract from their big league roster, mm -hmm. I would think, plus gut their farm system. For Otani, it, it might be worth it, but that's the kind of trade that you have to be really sure that you can address other needs because you may not have enough ammunition left to make other moves afterwards. Well, you reported, uh, and we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up the fact, the prospect of the Blue Jays delivering on bringing an all-star game to Toronto to the Rogers Center. Now the next couple are spoken for, but but what are you hearing in terms of why that is a, a motivation to bring the second one to the Rogers Center and, and what would have to happen between now and then? Well, I mean, they're due first off, right? The the rotation has gone through a couple times. Teams have ha have hosted two in the, in the time that the Jasons uh, last had the game. So it would really be time, it would be an opportunity to showcase the upcoming renovation of the Dome, a chance to showcase the city. And in terms of what needs to happen, essentially they just have to be able to put together a plan that satisfies all the needs for Major League Baseball. So you're going to need a lot of hotel rooms, you're going to need a lot of convention room space, a, a place to host various other events, uh, you've got to be able to accommodate the draft, the futures game and who knows what else uh, may be added to the festivities in the coming years. So all those pieces need to come into place. Uh, but again, there, every year is only a handful of teams that uh, are capable and are sort of in line for it. You know, I would expect that if the Blue Jays are able to check all those boxes, 2027 would be theirs. Uh, of course, Major League Baseball has the final say on that, and they'd have to meet all those conditions. But assuming everything goes to plan with the renovation, you know, 2027 would be the next one that's up, and the timing would really work in a lot of different ways for the Blue Jays. I love it. Well, I think a big part of it as well is be Ricky throwing a media party. Shy, you know, <laughs> if I could be your plus one, I'd appreciate it. But you delivered for us on this. Thank you again, Shy. Yeah, anytime, guys. Be well. Always well when Shy joins us. Time for a break. When we come back, we'll continue to tee up the Jays and Red Sox. Plus, we get Ricky's takeaways from the All-Star Game and MLB's proposed rule changes as Tim and Friends 
rolls on. Maybe we'll talk about your all-star experience. Let's do it. Common friends. All right, my bad. Welcome back to Tim and Friends, or DJ and Ricky, since Tim's not here. Uh, and I'm just gonna literally take over the segment. I'm just gonna filibuster and pepper you with questions about things that I'm curious about. We're gonna call it story time with Ricky. Uh, listen, hopefully audience members, you're curious about the same things. And if you're not, tough, like just deal with it. Um, you were an all-star. I was. Uh, you watched the, the All-Star Game festivities. What was the biggest takeaway for you of the spectacle that All-Star has become in relation to what it was like in the B-roll we saw in the previous break or, or what it was like when you were an All-Star? Yeah, no, the differences that I see nowadays is the, the red carpet show, what it's turned into. It's turned into these guys, turned like a um, huge fashion show all of a sudden. Wow, look, that's old school right there. <laughs> Tip of the cap. It, it seems like a long time ago. I mean, I guess it was a lot, 11 years ago. But no, that, that's what I see the biggest difference. Um, and I just see all the swag nowadays that they, that they have, the shoes, the clothing, the ice around their neck. Vladdy, you saw him with all the chains. And it's, it just, it, it's cool to me. These guys get to express themselves for, for a day. And it's the way it should be, even, you know, seeing... Alejandro Kirk with some bling bling too. I was like, man, like, okay, okay. So all that good stuff, I feel like it's, it's brought out um, the good in baseball and these guys, like, again, get to enjoy it and be out there and be with their family members, take, take pictures with fans. And that's what it's all about, having fun. I know for me, if we had a red carpet like that, it, it wasn't quite like that, but I feel like I probably would have came out of my comfort zone. I probably would have given you a call and said, hey, dude, what, what, what do you got for me? Because I see you always with some good fashion and stuff. So. I definitely would have taken some like tips. Like today? Yeah, like well, today. I mean, you, okay, you see me with fashion. You also see me wearing a shirt. That's what you see me. You don't see anyone wearing a shirt. Like, the stock on shirts is down. If we took Ricky back then and transformed him, what were you, like 26, 27? Yeah, something like that. Transformed him into 2022. Put you on the red carpet. Are you going shirtless? You, going, you, going, you got a grill? You got chains? What are we doing? Mm, good question. If I had the body of a... Alec Manoa? <laughs> Starling Marte, yeah, right there. I mean, if I had that body, yeah, I'm going straight. Amsinger right. said he had nine abs. He <laughs> saw nine abs. <laughs> but I'd probably be a little loud. I'd probably have some bling-bling. I'd probably have some nice shades on me, some nice kicks. I definitely would have went all out. But I would have needed some help by, by people around me. That's for sure. What I would have wanted was you mic'd up. Would you have wanted that? Yeah, I would have done it 100%. And that's another takeaway that I, the, that I take from this All-Star game, how cool that was, how cool it was for Alec Manoa to take his insight of pitching. And he's explaining what he's trying to do, too. Like, there was one at bat where he threw two sinkers, and then Smoltz is like, I want a slider down and away. And he's like, no, I showed two sinkers that sunk in at his hands. I think a fastball up and in. And, and he explains why. And to be able to do that at that level... There's a lot of fans, everyone's tuning in, and he just did it with ease. It just seemed like he just didn't lose a beat, which you know shows how special he is. And it, that was fun, and, and you can just tell he was having fun, he was being himself, and they even asked him if he kind of held back with bad words and stuff like that. He's like, no, actually, if, if you talk to my teammates, that's, this is what I do in between, uh, when I start. Every fifth day, I'm turning around, I'm 
talking smack, I'm saying funny stuff, and I just felt like it brought like the kid in him, and 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 that's what it, at the end of the day, this that's what the game's all about, having fun. And he goes out there every fifth day, and he he not only he doesn't only compete, but he goes out there and has fun and enjoys it. Yeah, I don't think Smoltz was expecting him to call him sexy. Uh, but <laughs> Three punches. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the other Blue Jays pitcher that was there. Uh, Romano, uh, pride of Markham. Didn't get in the game, something that you experienced. I'm sure the Blue Jays front office wasn't upset he didn't get in the game because they're going to need him to pitch down the stretch. But, but, you know, would that have been difficult for him? Was it difficult for you? Yeah, it was difficult for me. Just because we had a lot of first-timers when I was there. And I actually had somebody look at the roster maybe a couple days ago, and they're like, wow, yeah, so so-and-so pitch, so-and-so pitch. I was like, yeah, these guys pitch, and I didn't get in, so I blame Ron Washington for that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, Jordan Romano, obviously, I'm sure he, he wanted to get in. Again, it's L.A., you're in Hollywood, it's, you know, the spotlight is on you, and who doesn't want to pitch an All-Star game? And I always say this to, to these guys, I'm like, you never know when it's going to be, if this is going to be your last one, so you definitely want to make the, the best out of it. And Obviously, there's a lot of pitchers, and there's only a few innings. So um, I, I felt like they, they did their best. Obviously, some guys faced one hitter. There wasn't that three-hitter rule, which is good. Um, but I felt like, you know, they did what they could. Uh, again, Romano probably is – he, he had a, a long first half. He threw a lot, and I'm sure the Blue Jays are happy he kind of stayed back. One of the takeaways for me coming out of All-Star was Rob Manfred finding another way to put his foot in his mouth – was asked about the minor leaguers and giving them a pay that is a livable wage, and he pushed back on the fact that they're not being paid a livable wage. MLB is obviously a billion-dollar industry, um, and they have employees that make less than minimum wage in most uh, cities where their teams are. You've ridden those buses. You've done that grind. Do you think there needs to be a change there coming from MLB, or is that just a, a rite of passage in the way it should be? No, I, I think... MLB needs to make it better and it almost seems like every time Manfred does open his mouth about it it's almost like like dude like come on man like your future stars are sitting in double-a high a triple-a triple-a is more veteran type guys but high a double-a those are your, that's your future product so why wouldn't you want to take care of them or start taking care of them at that level and and yeah, you mentioned bus rides, you know, we've, we've ridden 13, 14, 15, 16 hour bus rides, no problem, you know, but it's just in the way that it's done and how he's, you know, talking about it that to me, I have a problem with. Yeah, uh, I have a problem with most things, Rob Manfred says, <laughs> uh, but that's just me. I have no problem with you. Uh, do you mind sticking around doing Let's some do cut? Let's do it. Okay, amazing. Um, all right, now it's time to send you to Blue Day Central on Sportsnet. Hazel May and Joe Siddle standing by who both do a great job. As for us, we will continue on Sportsnet 360 as we talk some other sports with Ricky. Can his Lakers rebound this year's Russell Westbrook, Westbrook? Uh, that and more. Uh, the Niners, we'll talk about that. Uh, Jimmy G, do you want to see him back, Ricky? Or do you want to see him traded? Plus, some cut or uncut back in just over 60 seconds on Sportsnet 360 with Donovan and Jesse and Ricky and no Tim. But lots of fun. Please watch. My pay depends on it. Please. We're back with you on Tim and Friends. Thank you for sticking around. We just had story time with Ricky. Now short story time with Ricky. Uh, I'm going to pepper you with some questions and things I'm curious about before we get to cut or uncut, which we'll, we'll explain to you later. Question I didn't get 
to on the back end uh, was the rule changes in the MLB. Analytics in the game, shifting, no shifting, infielders with feet on the dirt. Those changes that people are talking about in terms of changing the game, you like them, you dislike them quickly. Dislike them. Because? Because baseball's baseball, man. Just leave it alone. <laughs> That's just pretty much what it comes down to. You got all these like little chalk lines in the Florida State League today. They're they're trying it out and just baseball field kind of looks weird all of a sudden. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers look weird. Uh, they're not in championship contention whatsoever, unless you're, you're watching the Showtime series about them winning uh, a while ago. AD is like on Instagram every day shooting threes, but who knows if you'll stay healthy. LeBron and, and, and Westbrook aren't talking to each other, but then they reportedly had a phone call, a three-way. Who's doing three-way phone calls in 2022? Are, are you worried about your Lakers offseason thus far? Juan Toscano Anderson is your best free agent sign. <laughs> a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried, As, especially after what happened last season. You just have to sit here and wonder what, what their next move is going to be. I believe they had a, there was a trade rumor out there with Westbrook and Indiana that fell through. So you're just kind of sitting here wondering, just like everyone else, like what, what are they going to do? Because we know that they're the best thing that could happen to the NBA. In the playoffs, in the finals, Excuse and me. you guys know it. Um, uh, I, I, last I checked, We the North is the best thing that happens in the NBA. Um, who knows if they want Kyrie and you want those problems, but as a San Fran fan in football with the Niners, and you got to get your cities straight. In football, you like San Francisco, and basketball, you like L.A., but Jimmy G is your quarterback for now. Do you move him for Trey Lance, who hasn't really done anything? What's going on with your football team? Yeah, it seems like all my teams are in shambles right now. Jeez. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, you, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a big Jimmy Garoppolo fan. and, and You're you know, the one. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was when they traded for him and even what he did last season. And uh, you know, I know he takes a lot of criticism and stuff like that, but the respect that he gets out of his teammates is it's what tells me who, who he is and what type of person he is. And... Uh, you know, I mean, they had a solid season last season, but yeah, maybe it's time to turn the page and, and turn to a little bit more mobile type quarterback because <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo sits in that pocket. He's getting sacked probably 99% of the time. So um, we know that offense can be explosive. That defense is awesome. They obviously beat your Dallas Cowboys, which is oh, great. Green Bay Packers, Dan Showman, if he's watching this, you know, it, I, I, I talked a lot of smack last, last season during the playoffs, and it felt damn good to do that. <laughs> last I checked, the Cowboys have more Super Bowl championships. <laughs> uh, you talked about respect of teammates, and nobody embodies that better than the captain, Derek Jeter. His documentary series uh, has come out. I've seen the first episode. What is your best Jeter memory of someone who had the chance to be around him during your time in the game? I think the, for me the biggest thing is every time he'd come up to the plate, how he'd tip his helmet to you. And I always felt like that was special. I, I know he did it to every pitcher he faced and stuff like that, but when you're starting a game and he's leading off and you're in New York and you hear that, the famous voice you know, of, of, of him and getting introduced as a, as a hitter, and when Derek he comes up, Gita. yeah, and, <laughs> and then he like tips his helmet to you. I always thought that was special, and and the fact that he always took the time when we were stretching or when we were warming up, and he he'd like kind of 
give a little sound like shh, shh, and, you know, and, and, and tip his hat to you. I always thought that was always classy of him. So those are the memories that I have of him, obviously. I had quite the success against him, I'm not going to lie. Okay. So, yeah. Okay, we need to go in the archives and pull that footage. <laughs> <laughs> about the all-star footage. Um, uh, I, 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 the, the thing I uh, find astounding about Jeter is playing in New York for that long, not a lot of dirt, no real scandals. Uh, coming to Toronto, uh, no issues. Can't say the same thing for some of his teammates, A-Rod. Um, but... <laughs> You know, there's a conversation that we're having right now in this city, and you're an American who, who played here, uh, whether it's Matthew Kachuk for the Flames no longer wanting to play um, in, in Canada as well as Johnny Goudreau, or the conversation about Americans not wanting to play for the Toronto Raptors by Chris Broussard. In baseball specifically, you played here, but you know so many visiting guys coming here. What is the feeling around Americans playing uh, in Toronto and Canada? I say you ask most big leaguers, and they'll say Toronto's their favorite city. Really? Yes, Why? 100%. Everything about it, I think, they don't realize how, how good it is here until they come. You know, they see the, the, the nightlife, the restaurants, and just the, the culture that, that Canada has here in Toronto. And I know for me, you know, East LA kid coming to Toronto for the first time, I was like, where am I and what is this and how is this going to work type thing. And I say this all the time, DJ, um, playing for the Toronto Blue Jays was one of the greatest things to ever happen to me. And I never won here. We never made it to the playoffs. But I guarantee you, for like free agents, like picking the city, you win here, you're going to be loved forever. We saw the love that they showed with the Raptors. And obviously, we've seen the parades and stuff like that during the, the, the World Series years, the back-to-back -back World Series years for the Toronto Blue Jays. So why wouldn't you want to come here? It, everyone loves you. Everyone loves sports. Everyone's passionate about sports. And um, again, it, it's, it's one of those things where not till you come here and you actually put on the uniform and, and you, you hear some of the guys nowadays talk about it, Springer and Gosman, how much they love it here. And the other thing is I feel like Canadians, honestly, they, they, they love their sports, they love their athletes, but they also leave you alone. Like if you're out at a restaurant, they really don't bother you. You know, whereas Derek Jeter in New York, I'm sure he couldn't go to a restaurant and just sit there and, and just have a normal meal. Here it's like Canadians are like, that's awesome that he's here and and let's leave him alone. You know, if we get to say hi, we get to say hi. And I always thought that was pretty, pretty respectful. Great answer. That was a great <laughs> answer. Uh, before we move on, was there one uh, visiting player that would hit you up and like, dog, when I come to Toronto, I, I'm ready. Was Adam, there one guy who loved it the most? Adam Jones always Ooh, okay. was a guy. Yeah. Okay. Adam Jones, uh, he was a guy that... Uh, that used to hit me up, um, David Price, um, back in the day. That we're talking Tampa Bay Rays, David Price, James Shields, those guys. Um, always, uh, you know, they were always wondering uh, where we were going to go eat type thing. And Adam Jones and I had some great battles throughout our years in Toronto. We always text about it and stuff like that. I know he recently retired, and I, I said, hey, man, it was an honor to, to, to face you and to compete against you. And, and uh, I just remember him always loving coming and playing here in Toronto. Those are some OGs. It's a good list. Uh, the OG uh, of all things social on this show, Jesse Rubinoff. Nice. What do you got for us, The buddy? king of segues over here. <laughs> uh, quickly, before we get to Cut Around Cut, and I will explain exactly how Cut Around Cut works for Rick. Uh, Mark Stein tweeting out, just 20 minutes ago, the Lakers and Pacers have indeed exchanged trade proposals okay. on a swap to try to bring Miles Turner and Buddy Heald to L.A. League sources confirm no deal is close. Uh, the Lakers attach unspecified draft compensation to Russell Westbrook's $47 million contract. I mean, that is one of the worst contracts 
in the league, if not the absolute worst. So the Pacers the are just having a garage sale, basically, is basically, what you're saying? Basically. <laughs> that, that's what it looks like. Uh, tough scene. Tough scene to get rid of that contract oh, for the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, okay, cut around cuts. The way it works is I will uh, give you a story or present something to you, and you will tell me whether you like it or dislike it in the form of uncut being good, cut being bad. Okay. Okay, you got it? All right. Yeah. So uh, we're going to begin with uh, something we've already seen on this show, but since we have you, a former major leaguer here, who signed plenty of autographs for fans, uh, this guy at the All-Star Game, red carpet, oh. elbowing a kid oh. to make sure he gets in there. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. Cut or uncut. Getting an autograph by pretty much any means necessary, which in this case includes elbowing a kid. Cut. Cut. I mean, straight cut. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I get it. Older do you folks, get it? I don't get it. <laughs> older folks want an autograph, but to why? do it in that manner, come on. Wait, why do you want an autograph? You're a grown-ass man. You want it because you're going to sell it. You've, you've, you've seen in Dunedin around the complex... Those older folks with binders waiting for you guys to come out. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a business. Like, yeah. if, if I was an athlete, we can take a photo, dude. But like, you don't need a, an autograph. Autographs are for kids. Yeah. No, I agree. But yeah, you that that guy definitely deserves to be cut. Yeah, we're all in agreement on that one. Hard <laughs> cut. Okay, and this next question is going to be for uh, DJ Drake. Was partying it up in the south of France recently. Must be nice. Uh, his time at a beachside cabana was interrupted by a swarm of bees, which is a completely normal thing that most people deal with. But the important detail here, multiple people came to the rescue to swat the bees for him. Drake was moving in his seat but did not swat the bees himself. So cut or uncut, being so famous that you have people fighting bees for you. Listen, I love it. I wish I was at that level. Those That's that's celebrity goals right there. First of all, he's doing his boxing training. Bob and Weed, yeah. it's nice and tight. Hands are up. We have no idea. He could be allergic. So, you know, that wasp sting hits, and he might need a, a trip to the hospital. And we know emergency rooms are backed up right now. He doesn't want to clog the system. What are friends for other than to swat away bees? I, I, that's uncut. I'm, I'm with He's the got the good... Gun. Good, good Mayweather oh, yeah, shoulder no, roll right there yeah, going, I think too. he was showing notice he, probably he said, knew of the no, game. Notice he said Mayweather, Mayweather. not Pacquiao. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, <knows. laughs> he did. Yeah, Drake, uh, enjoy this out of France. Well-deserved. Uh, Donovan Bennett, uh, who not long ago argued on this show that he was a young man, now a father of two. I uh, wonder if he uh, still feels like a young man after father of two. Uh, here's a picture of Ricky with DJ's youngest. Cut or uncut? Uh, I guess this question's for Canada. A DJ's child looking more like Ricky than DJ. Oh <laughs> man, they did it <laughs> to you. Like that one. Listen, this, <laughs> this, this entire thing is cut, by the way. First of all, if, if, I think he looks like Charles Barkley. I don't, I don't know if he I'm looks like put Ricky. it back out there, yeah. <laughs> Hey, this, by the way, this was all his wife too. This wasn't me. They're like they, he, he walked in with little Ro, or she walked in with little Rowan, and my wife and his wife looked at each other and they're like, "Wait, I think this little kid, Rowan, looks exactly like me." <laughs> he did a double take, double triple take. Who are you? Why do I gotta talk exactly. to you? Exactly. So uh, that's cut. That's gotta be cut. DJ, you're over there shaking your head, so I think it's cut for you as well. This is ridiculous. Yeah, I have to deal with Canada. <laughs> oh man, I'm, uh, I'm gonna stay out of this one. <laughs> okay, uh, in sports, it's all about uh, championships, and in most major sports, with that championship comes a ring. This year, the NBA decided that not only do those who win the NBA title deserve a ring, but those who win the Summer League championship deserve a ring of their own. The Portland Trailblazers winning the 2022 Summer League 
and became the first team to receive those rings for doing so. So Ricky, cut or uncut, rings in the summer league. Ooh, good reaction means it was a good question. Yeah. Come Satisfied? On, Come on, Ricky. Um, oh, I have to go. Him. I have to go with. Uh, yeah, you gotta cut that. Cut that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stop being nice. Yeah. Were you aware of summer league championship <laughs> ring? That's a, that's the best point. It was made Maybe beforehand. It says Drake. summer league on it. Doesn't even say the team. It looks like it was in a popcorn box. box. Yeah, yes. Wheaties. Wheaties box. Yeah, and you know some of these guys probably are going to be sporting them out, and as they should. I mean, I guess, you know, they, they deserve it, I guess. I, I get Listen, <laughs> most of those guys aren't going to make the league, so I suppose they can put on their LinkedIn when they're working at Best Buy that they won a summer league championship. <laughs> but that's, come on, man. That, that, that's kind of... The disrespect. Well, well let, let me ask you this. Do you, like, do you think at the high A, double A, triple A level, if you win the seat, that you deserve ranks too? Yeah. yeah. You rode buses for 13 hours. <laughs> These guys were in Vegas for two weeks. There's a difference. Yeah, I guess two weeks. I didn't. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah right. the, they yeah. barely know their teammates. Yeah, all right. Damon Lillard. Uh, Damon Lillard. I think didn't even know that they won the the championship. They, he was on, on a live. Yeah. 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 yeah, or just <laughs> cashing his checks. There you go. Yeah, he doesn't even know who's on the team. He's, yeah, he's uh, focused on Come getting to his LA, first Damon. championship ring. Uh, more about rings in last call. Uh, Ricky, you're gonna stick around. Yep. Good. Great. See you then. Last block of the show of the week. Jesse's here. I'm here. Ricky's here. The show's never been better looking. Mm. Jesse, what do you got for us? Well, why don't we begin last call with some uh, Women's European Championship okay. highlights. Sweden taking on Belgium in quarterfinal action. Sixth minute we go. Sweden with a chance to open the scoring. Have a go. Ooh, Nikki Averard makes the diving stop. Looking like a young Tim McAuliffe. 24th minute. Ball played ahead to Stina Blackstenius. One of the great handles in all of sports. Appears to open the scoring. However, the referee turns to VAR for a goal check. Appears really? Blackstenius is offside. Gotta hold your run. The goal is disallowed. 72nd minute. Still no score. Sweden free kick. Ball played in. Comes to Blackstenius. Point blank header, but Averard, another big stop coming up clutch. Strong hand. In injury time, Sweden corner played in. Averard, another stop, another stop. Linda Sambrand there to bury the rebound. And Sweden will play England in the semifinals after they win it 1 0. Finally solved the keeper that looked like they had its number. But there you have it. With the soccer highlights, let's uh, go back to some ring conversation here because okay. we were just doing that in the last block. The LA Rams unveiled their Super Bowl rings on Thursday. Each ring has 20 carats of white diamonds, <laughs> the most carat weight in the history of sports championship rings. <laughs> the rings also feature a removable what? top with a replica of SoFi Stadium inside. Is that leather Ricky, from the ball in there? I don't know. Who knows? There could be no way of knowing. Ricky, should championship rings be replaced with more functional items? I'm talking like watches, jackets, no. necklaces. No, I, I like the rings, but it's kind of getting crazy. It's like every year, this is the most diamonds. And then the following year, this is the most diamonds that from the previous year. And 
I've seen them up close and I'm like, man, that's definitely not something you can wear every day, obviously. Well, that's the thing. Like, it's it's just not, you would never wear that out anyway. Maybe the, yeah. the day that you get it and then you're putting it away in like a vault and you're never to be seen again. So what's the point? Deej? Yeah. That, so that is leather from the game ball that's in there. Our uh, wonderful production staff, Jason Peter Sands, told me in my ear. Um, listen, that's nothing for Aaron Donald's hand, like who helped design the ring. It's like a pinky ring for him. But everybody else, that is a sign saying, hey, please rob me if I'm right. in public. So yeah. it's, it's literally living in a safety deposit box forever. I think it's a huge flex. Um, I'm for it. But to your point, like, where is this going to go? Because there's four <laughs> or five bigger and major, bigger. you know, champions every year in North America. Um, what do they do in Europe? Like when you win the Premiership, do, do you get a ring? Producer Thomas Dobby, no rings. You don't get a ring. No rings. What about the World Cup? World yeah, Cup yeah, no get, rings. No rings. Money. You get money in three weeks okay. off, which I'll, I'll take. Yeah. With every ring design, uh, the chance that you get robbed goes up. Who so was, every year. Who's boss was <laughs> Steph Curry? Wearing the rings on a chain. Yeah, that, I mean, that's next level. That was that's next how level. you take it next level. Uh, okay, we go to the CFL. The Blue Bombers will look to keep their undefeated season going tonight when they visit the Elks. After starting the season 0-3, Edmonton has won two of their last three games. Donovan, can the Elks pull off the upset and ruin Winnipeg's perfect season tonight? Hell no, they can't. I mean, Hell no. Winnipeg is a juggernaut, even when they play well. Uh, they, they put teams away, and when they don't play well, they put teams away. Edmonton has beat up on some soft competition in the East. You're not beating the defending champions. I, not only do I like Winnipeg, take the points as well. I like the Bombers. They're like a dynasty at this point. They're getting, getting perilously close to it. Not perilously, that would be the opposite. Okay, uh, future Hall of Famer Scotty Barnes, like many young NBA players, is big into video games. Earlier this week, he was streaming himself playing NBA 2K, and he had a great reaction when he pulled Joel Embiid's card. Ah, oh, We selling his ass immediately. <laughs> And <laughs> <laughs> being in the Sixers, of course, eliminated the Raptors in the playoffs. Uh, so, Ricky, during your playing days, did you have an opponent that you couldn't stand? Yeah. Should I name him? Yeah. It's up to you. But yeah. Well, I just couldn't stand him at the plate. Like, Kevin Euclid. Mm. He owned me. And that whole little, like, batting stance that he used to do, like, he was, like, playing the flute. <laughs> like it just drove me nuts. He crowded the play, like crowded the play big time. Big time, big time. Privilege. And he wore a big elbow pad too. Muke. I mean, he's yeah. one of the guys I think about, like from from my day. Yeah. When I think of the Red Sox logo. I mean, if it makes you feel better, he was also annoying to watch. Yeah. So we were feeling it with you. You know what? Till 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 I was in the All Star game with him, and I got to know him a little bit more. My mom went up to him. We were same elevator. My mom goes up to him. and goes, she goes, Mr. Euclid. Can you please stop taking it easy on my son? <laughs> was pretty, so I was like, good. what are you doing? Like, yeah, but she, she was looking out for her son. The Greek God of Walks was his nickname, I believe. Greek yeah. God of Walks or, or getting hit by pitches, one or the other. Uh, WNBA <laughs> legends and former UConn teammates Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi will meet for the last time in the regular season tonight when the Phoenix Mercury host the Seattle Storm. Last month, Bird announced that she would retire at the end of the season. It'll be the 46th time they've gone head-to-head -head in the WNBA, the most ever between two players in league history. DJ, do you have a favorite Bird-Tarasi memory? 
It's so tough because they have so many. 11 Euro titles, 10 Olympic titles, five NCAA titles between them. But it's not even what they did on the court. They're broadcasting. I don't know if you remember oh, the, the Bird and Tarasi <laughs> mega cast for the mm -hmm. NCAA championship. Mm -hmm. Their broadcasting was amazing. She was finishing in the lane. The length of, of, the, of the Cox is long. You can't help it. Can't help it. <laughs> the sips of water. I know. Or whatever's in the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, water. <laughs> I don't know why I assumed it was water. <laughs> Kelsey Plum like had no idea what to do. Yeah. And and Bird's like, I've seen this show before. Like, this is who Daniel Tarasi is, which is amazing. <laughs> so of all the moments, that's your favorite. Oh yeah. 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 Which says <laughs> okay. a lot about me. Okay. Uh, so uh, we have one more. UFC fight night goes tomorrow at the O2 Arena in London. Patty the Batty Pimlet will take on Jordan Levitt as part of the card. Pimlet pulled the old handshake gag on Levitt at today's weigh-in, and he's promised to do a very bizarre post-fight celebration should he win tomorrow. Have a listen. I'm going to teabag him, lad. I'm going to teabag him like it's Modern Warfare 2. Oh. For the uh, uninitiated at home, what is teabagging? I want to squat as close to his head as I possibly can without the ref shouting at me. Oh my god. Just squat up and down. Oh like I'm on Modern Warfare 2, god, lad. What? Thanks for clarifying that. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, okay, so are you rooting for or against, for or against Patty the Batty after hearing what he plans to do for his post win celebration? Ricky, I'll throw you first. I kind of want to see him win to see if he follows it up. Yeah. If he really does I'm do it. You. I'm with you. Deej. No, I, w I want to fight him. Personally, no, you don't. It, no, no you don't. I do. Patty the batty. After the handshake gag, I wanted to punch him. It, it, he did that straight face as if like he didn't understand why everyone thought it was funny or outlandish. You know what that is? That's like a page out of Conor McGregor's book. You sell it, the fight. It, it feels like it's how it, you yeah. make money in this business. Okay, it's not it's not wrestling, obviously, but you still gotta sell. You still gotta market yourself, and that's exactly what he's doing there. But I will be intrigued. Maybe I'll even is it pay per view? Oh, it's a, a fight night. A guy from so, Liverpool. I'll be watching it. I'll be watching it. It's not a pay-per-view. <laughs> We're good. That's it. Oh, man. We got us fired up at the end. Uh, thank <laughs> you, rattled. Ricky, for joining us. Absolutely. Appreciate Always you bringing some class to this organization. Uh, that's it for us. A reminder, the Jays and Red Sox about to get going over on Sportsnet. We've got Yankees and Orioles about to get going on Sportsnet 1, followed by the Giants and Dodgers. And later, here on 360, it's WWE SmackDown. Enjoy it all.